Hello, everybody. Welcome to Z Prime on the Grid, our show about issues concerning the energy industry. I'm your host, Dylan Lockwood. We've got a very special edition of Z Prime on the Grid today. We're doing something a little bit different. Uh, as you've probably heard Aaron and I mention a hundred thousand times, on top of the on top of the the podcast that we thank you all for listening to, we also do a lot of other content, uh, namely. We put out like to put out a lot of research in regards to the energy space, so we thought we would take a little bit of time to go over some of the some of the research and other projects we've been doing in a little perhaps recurring series I like to call the research roundup. Bam, 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 bam. Research roundup. Yeehaw! That's that's our theme song. Uh, listening, no doubt, with her mouth agog is research analyst Aaron Hardick. How are you doing today, Aaron? I'm doing well today, Don. It's a beautiful day in Austin. We've had some crazy weather, which I always love to talk about, but it is finally very beautiful outside. Joining us to help break down uh, this research is our good friend from work, Senior Director of Content and Research, Chris Moyer. How are you doing today, Chris? Dylan, I am doing great, and I would hope that you will leave in your excellent musical interlude there at the beginning. Uh, it's it's just a pleasure to to hear that, and then to join you and Aaron on on this podcast. I mean, you you won't you won't like it next week when I do a bad Detroit themed intro, which I can't really think of one. I guess I would just go room room <laughs> Motor City, Z Prime on the grid or something like that. I actually have no idea what a Detroit accent sounds like. If you lived in Chicago though, oh man, I make so many jokes about wet sandwiches. I'm just gonna alienate everyone in the country before we even start this podcast. Um <laughs> or, or you'll uh, bring them in with this sort of reflection, oh yeah, that is that is a little bit of what, what we are in in various parts of the country and and when you do the Detroit theme podcast, as I'm sure we will uh, talk when we're talking about electric vehicles someday down the road, uh, we'll, we'll work on that that fusion of M&M and uh, and uh, also the Motor City into one seamless start to a podcast. Maybe I'll just do a live rendition of Detroit Rock City. There you go. Let's get into the roundup. Uh, you know, so we, we, we have all kinds of projects. Uh, we got our thumbs in lots of pies, as it were. Um, Aaron, what's, what's just to kick us off, what's something you've worked on recently? Or what's something you were a part of recently at Z Prime that you really enjoyed being a part of? So something that I've noticed is reoccurring. I'm about to change it up on you guys. We talked about something different that I was going to discuss during the section, but I thought I would catch you on your toes today. I was doing an interview this morning and um, it's with, it was with a, a manager at a transmission and distribution utility in the Southwest, um, a pretty big organization. And I was asking them about artificial intelligence and IOT as part of a project we have going on. But some of the challenges that he was bringing up are, I've noticed, are very significant challenges across a lot of the areas we of research that we do. So, I mean, this research is focused on artificial intelligence and IoT, but some of the main challenges are the same as a few of the things we're going to talk about today, which are the Siemens report over integrated uh, generation transmission and distribution planning, as well as this 
white paper and infographic we did with CGI over um, customer influence on utilities. And what the, these challenges are centered around it, data in the sense of data is hard to get for a lot of utilities, um, a lot of different types of data. The tools aren't mature enough to manage data. And then understanding and making data available to everyone who needs it is a big problem. And the last one that came up was there's not really a common location for utilities to look at successful work other utilities have done in order to try to piece together their own strategies. So Dylan, to answer your question, what I'm excited about is seeing how a lot of the different research projects we've been doing are starting to converge, or at least we're starting to be able to draw lines between the different types of research we do um, and how they are creating challenges for utilities in an overall sense. November is going to be a month, and we'll get to this later on in, in the show, where we really do focus a lot of our research, our articles, our video uh, around analytics and data and the impact that the data has across different parts of the industry, different departments, and throughout the enterprise of a utility itself. Uh, what what you just mentioned, Erin, reminds me of, of the old, the, the, the four V's of data that uh, utilities and all businesses really need to be focused on, volume, velocity, variety, and veracity. Uh, making sure that you have a lot of data, the speed at which, which you're gathering that data is, is, is very quick so that you have real-time information, having a very strong variety of, of different data sources, different data points allows for a balanced look at a whole system, and then making sure that the, the data that you have coming in is, uh, is true. Uh, bad data in is going to ultimately lead to really skewed results uh, as, as utilities are trying to do resource planning or customer engagement. So that, that's very exciting uh, to, to hear that you're working on that. Uh, it's something that the whole team's going to be working on at Z Prime, not just in November where we're having a specific focus on it, but uh, throughout 2019 as well. As, as I think about some of the things that I've been working on uh, since I joined the Z Prime team, uh, one of the, the issues that really fascinates me the most, and this is something that I've thought about for a long time in my career, both in public policy uh, and the electric and gas utility industry, is the uh, how much policy impacts what utilities are doing, uh, how utilities interact with their communities, their environment, their customers. And so I've just recently written two articles on dramatic policy changes that have come out of California uh, in September when uh, California uh, effectively signed legislation. The governor of California, Jerry Brown, signed legislation that put California on the path to 100% carbon-free electricity by 2045. Um, and then a corresponding piece around that with how uh, that is very possible. It will be challenging, but 
it will be more easily achieved if we have a conscientious effort of electrifying uh, not just the utility industry, but other, other sectors like transportation, industrial manufacturing, the more, uh, this might be somewhat counterintuitive, the more demand there is for, for electricity, um, the ultimately it will be easier to achieve those, those long-term goals uh, because as we start to produce uh, more solar, more wind, and battery storage becomes increasingly important, having uh, excess demand will actually help uh, from the transportation sector, from other sectors, will actually help uh, satisfy all the energy that we can be getting uh, and generating from renewables and distributed energy resources. And, and speaking of electrifying the transportation system, one of the the, the most exciting things that I've had the opportunity to do was just recently lead a great conversation on a webinar with National Grid and Southern California Edison. Both are taking uh, similar approaches, but they have unique elements to their electric vehicle programs. And getting to hear what different regions of the United States are doing to integrate electric vehicles into this system I think is a really important topic and I think one that we'll be revisiting often. I, I think so. One thing that's important to note when planning for EV adoption in the future and all sorts of these grid edge devices is you've got to have smart transmission and distribution planning, which leads us into our research. Aaron, we just, uh, we recently put out a research report about this topic of, uh, of generation, transmission, and distribution planning uh, for, for, I guess, for utilities long-term. Uh, can you give us a little bit of uh, insight on that? Of course, Dylan. So we just put out an infographic that was sponsored by Siemens called The Next Big Advancement in Utility Planning, Integrated Generation, Transmission, and distribution. And what this research project was about was trying to understand really what that next generation of resource planning is. So a lot of different things are influencing uh, the way traditional demand uh, is forecasted and planned across centralized generation, transmission, and distribution. So, you know, typically uh, forecasting demand was, was pretty consistent. You had the duck curve, you know, when people would wake up when they would use energy before going to work, go to work, come home, use energy. Demand was consistent. Um, it was pretty easy to forecast for centralized generation. But the more uh, that distributed energy resources and renewables uh, get penetration on the grid, the higher penetration of renewables and DERs on the grid makes it more difficult to plan and forecast across all of these different types of generation assets uh, that are decentralized. So that's what we were trying to focus on with this research is how do you create uh, a better system where you're planning across not only centralized generation, but also decentralized generation. Um, and what we found in the research is that DERs are causing a lot of problems for utilities today. There are have been arguments made that um, there's not enough, there's not significant DER penetration for it to be 
a problem for utilities. But according to our infographic, 52% of utilities do view DERs as a significant planning issue or expect to uh, in the next two years. So I was recently reading an article around this topic that was written by Senior Vice President of ICF, Patty Cook, in Utility Dive, and it was titled, How Utility Demand-Side Management Strategies Must Evolve to Address a Dynamic Resource Mix. And in that article, it says, by some estimates, behind-the-meter distributed energy resources, DERs, are expected to more than double from 46 gigawatts in 2017 to a total of 104 gigawatts of flexible capacity in 2023. These two information pieces of information taken together, the stat from our survey that says only 52% of utilities view DER as a significant planning issue now or expect to in the next two years. And we also know that DER penetration is going to increase really just creates this sense of urgency to get a better system in place to plan and forecast across centralized generation and decentralized generation distributed energy resources. The last piece of information I'll give to you from our report to really tie together this idea that this really needs to start happening now is that according to our survey, 41% of senior management says they have an organized initiative around integrated generation transmission and distribution planning. But like I mentioned in the the intro of today's podcast, there are still a lot of issues around integration. A lot of different utilities are using applications that are part of this integrated GT&D planning initiative and integrating across those different applications that are coming from a variety of different vendors, it it is an issue. So 41% of senior management organized an initiative around this. I don't know if I I believe that those initiatives really are the full-fledged strategy for executing and delivering on a more uh, integrated approach to forecasting and planning uh, across the whole energy value chain. Uh, But this research does a good job of highlighting what those big challenges are and um, gives some recommendations on how to to start to move forward, uh, move through some of these challenges so that we can get a a more balanced uh, grid. And one thing about that that um, concerns me a bit, I I wrote an article on this, uh, is that one of the pieces of data from the infographic is that only 12% of the utility executives surveyed have high levels of confidence in their renewable and DER data. So, and Chris, you were just talking about how, you know, looking forward, we're going to be putting data at the center of everything. But if the if there's no confidence in this data, are the systems really in place for utilities to have these kinds of uh, long-term plans? Dylan, I think that's a great point, and utilities will not be able to, to do the forecasting necessary to integrate distributed energy resources into the generation, transmission, and distribution plans unless they have really strong data. So that, that gap between their ability to forecast the variability of renewables and uh, 
ensuring that they have reliable, reliable baseload power is, is going to be a challenge, not just now, but into the future. Um, Aaron, I, I was really struck by the research that we did, uh, particularly around uh, forecasting. What, what would you say uh, in, in, in this report and in this infographic, uh, you found to be at least the most heartening when it came to, to data and uh, utilities moving forward with distributed energy resources? That's a great question, Chris. I mean, I think that there is a lot of information in here that someone that some in the industry may find disheartening, but there is a lot of information in here that is encouraging. I think that just the simple the simple fact that utilities recognize there is a need for improvement is encouraging enough. A lot of initiatives these days that are centered around digital uh, dig digital initiatives, um, there isn't too much buy-in uh, on those, but I think when it comes to um, using digital technology to better plan and forecast, there is a lot of uh, executive buy-in, employee buy-in, and really a recognition that this has to change and it needs to be uh, focused on now. Maybe they don't exactly know the best way to go about it, but people are dedicating time and resources within utilities to solve this problem. 42% um, of the survey respondents that, of our survey respondents said that DER planning is in need of improvement. 40% said distribution planning is in need of improvement. Transmission and generation were a little bit lower, but but overall that recognition is there, and I do believe that people are working hard at trying to solve this challenge. But it does require a lot of partnerships, vendors working through technology maturity. Um, so, I, I, that's what I would say. I'm encouraged by the interest in this area, but I think that it. it utilities are and I think utilities are driving this but there are a lot of other people that are going to need to come together to solve this issue. We're going to move on to uh, another piece of research. Chris, uh, you were largely involved with this one. It was about uh, distributed energy resource management systems or DERMs, uh, which I can tell you uh, the fact that system and systems both start with S means that DERMS, the acronym, always ends in an S, which makes it something that's very, very difficult as an editor to parse the verbiage of when uh, when discussing it in, in context. But enough about that. Uh, can you tell us a bit about what, uh, what we were looking for in, the, in this research and what we found? Absolutely. And I, I think Aaron's description of the potential of distributed energy resources and data actually is a perfect segue into why DERMs are so important. Uh, the purpose of our study, our research, and our report around distributed energy resource management systems, or DERMs, was to explore their potential use cases, examine what areas of the utilities will be most impacted over the next few years by DERMs and explore 
if they are really market ready at this point. The, precisely for that reason of uh, data and software integration, there is some concern that, that DERMs won't be ready to handle that intermittency that you might experience when trying to integrate distributed energy resources. And what we found in this report, and I, I think it's very important to, to call out, is that DERMS is not simply uh, a you know, distributed resource management system with an E inserted. And it should also not just be a replacement of an ADMS uh, system. DERMS application provides specific features to ensure both power consumption and export from distributed energy resources connected to the grid at a massive scale. Uh, and that will ensure that, that uh, as grid operators further integrate distributed energy resources, they can do that with reliability. Uh, many utilities, 48% uh, in our research, are, are currently right now looking to better integrate legacy and new systems to support distributed energy resources. And um, as we surveyed the market, different organizations have different objectives for their systems. Our research showed that the majority of utilities, almost 60%, are looking for DERMS, for a DERM solution to optimize uh, DER utilization for grid and market needs for capacity, reliability, resilience, and to meet some of their long-term financial and economic objectives as well. So. You know, the last really important piece of this this research was what are some of those use cases that the DERMs have for utilities? And to me, the primary use case is around the optimization and controlling of distributed energy resources. They will have a profound impact on the reliability and resiliency uh, associated with distributed, decentralized, and inter intermittent generation. Uh, it is not an exaggeration to say that, that this is the direction that the utility industry is going. Speaking of the customer, we had another piece of research out this past month called the customer push or pull. How much are customers driving digital change for utilities? Aaron, I believe you worked on this one. What can you tell us about this piece? Yes, I did work on this one. And this white paper was actually done in conjunction with an infographic where we surveyed um, around 1,000 residential and commercial and industrial customers. And then we actually compared them, those responses to this utility survey that we did so that we could get a really good understanding of how aligned utilities and customers are regarding new technologies, investments, and strategies. So the types of questions we asked in this research uh, really were, you know, how much does the customer drive utilities to act regarding new technologies and investments? Are customers and utilities really line, are aligned in these expectations? And then really, where do they differ? And, and I would say that the biggest piece of information that came out of this white paper, and there's a lot of great information in here, but one of the most definitive things that we, we found is that 
Customers, they are at the center of digital transformation. 74% of respondents said that they're using digital transformation to work on improving customer, improving customer engagement and experiences. So we know, based off our research, that they really are driving change. It's not just this idea of customers driving change, but they are having an impact on the way utilities prioritize technology investments. Um, there's this article in T&D World um, focused on the Illinois, uh, I think it's the Illinois Chamber of Commerce is exploring um, smart, smart apps for utility operations. There was this really interesting quote in, this, in the article um, from the acting commissioner, Anastasia Palavos of the Illinois, Com Illinois Commerce Commission. Uh, and what she says is, while the world continues to become more digitized and automated, utilities are also transitioning to meet existing customer consumer expectations. While some utilities have made efforts to provide their customers services through mobile apps, there are more opportunities to provide services and benefits to utility customers. Um, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. It actually aligns really well with what we found in our research. Um, and that is that utilities do recognize that they need to uh, keep up with the, the digital experiences offered in other industries. We found that in our research. And 64% of customers today, they do rely on mobile apps for digital communication with utilities. Now, that is lower than the amount of customers that rely on both websites and portals and social media uh, to interact digitally with utilities. Uh, but 64% is still a significant amount. And the reason that these interactions are significant is that we also found customers who interact more digitally with their utility tend to be customers more likely to participate in other programs and services. So we can draw that clear connection between the value of uh, a good digital experience from a mobile application and how it ties back to utility operations, enrolling people in programs and services um, to explore new revenue streams and things like that. So that's why th I think this, this customer push or pull um, project was really interesting because we did kind of prove this hypothesis of things becoming customer centric and from the utility perspective, we now know that. Erin, I was just absolutely struck by this report, and it, it is very near and dear to my heart because uh, just prior to joining Z-Prime, I had taken a, a three-year hiatus from the electric and gas utility industry and gone and worked uh, for a, a fairly large advertising agency that, that worked uh, around consumer technology, automotive, financial services, traditional industries that uh, utilities are often looking at as benchmarks for innovation, customer engagement, customer experience. And what really we talked al almost every day in, in those industries was using data to understand 
the, the best ways to communicate with customers to provide them the products and services that they wanted to, uh, to consume. If, if a company goes out and tries to push a marketing program to one of their, their customers without having a deep dive understanding of exactly what channel the customer wanted to be communicated in uh, and were they actually pre-qualified, vetted, uh, and segmented properly, those campaigns, those products were invariably uh, doomed to fail. It's when you pull customers in by understanding what their wants are, what their needs are, and providing them the, the platform to discover those products and services. So when I think, I think about uh, energy efficiency programs, demand response programs, uh, signing up for utility customer, uh, utility, uh, utility scale renewable programs. Uh, if the utilities segment that properly, they have the best chance of getting the adoption rates necessary for those programs to ultimately be successful. I want to go back to this interview that I mentioned I was doing this morning um, and the man I was interviewing worked at a Southwest, a large Southwest utility and they're actually exploring this mobile app um, that gives employees information that they typically wouldn't have because of silos that exist within utilities today. And it's kind of taking this idea of giving the customer the information they want and also saying, well, wait a second, we need to make sure that our employees also have the access to the information that they need to be more efficient. And they're kind of, the utility is testing this mobile app with their employees and then hoping to roll it out on the residential side. And the idea is if, if a field worker is going to do to restore an outage uh, from a downline, and maybe somebody in the community approaches them and asks them, you know, a question of when exactly can I expect to get my service back? If that field worker cannot answer that question, they can at least have this mobile application ready to give the consumer uh, the information they need to find out what they want to find out, putting them into putting them in contact with the right people within the utility. But it's this idea of even just furthering, um, further like improving customer engagement in any way possible because it is so it's so important. Those experiences are so important right now. This is a, this is an aside, but just the 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 infographic comparing the the business customers and residential customers uh, responses is just I just really like the way it's laid out. Uh, and one final report I wanted to mention was we did uh, we did one on field area networks and how uh, this specifically uh, cybersecurity for field area networks from both the IT and the OT perspectives. Uh, Chris, what can you tell us about that? That report, I, I thought I really liked this one. I wrote an article. I wrote an article about it, but I'm but I'm curious uh, what your behind the scenes take is. Yeah, Dylan, I, I thought that article really did a wonderful job uh, giving that high level summary 
of the report. And I think that the the big takeaways for me are, are first, the importance that field area networks are going to play in the utility business going forward uh, as utilities are trying to capture data in real time and data across different types of systems, whether it's AMI or OMS data, workforce management data, having that field area network to communicate that data in real time back to a central hub, back to an area where that can be analyzed quickly so that predictive analytics can be brought to bear, precisely the things that will help uh, distributed energy resources in the future, integrated resource planning in the future, DERMs, uh, field area networks are going to be that communication uh, conduit that makes all of that happen. But of course, when you talk about a remote network, that opens it up to the possibility of cyber breaches and hacking. And so we studied uh, the approaches that utilities are currently taking as they as they deploy field area networks and some things that they, they can do in the future. And, and really quickly, uh, the, the, what we came away uh, from our research focusing on was, was three pillars of cybersecurity in association with field area networks. That first pillar is going to be device and platform access control. The second pillar is absolute data security and confidentiality and confidentiality at every smart meter, every IoT device, every distributed automation uh, part of the grid. There needs to be data security at at each at each one of those devices. And finally, the the third pillar of effective fan security is advanced threat detection, and ultimately. Uh, AI is going to play a major role in this as, as that becomes more prevalent in the industry. Uh, but having well-established policies for managing grid operations will allow for threat detection technologies uh, to ensure that they're monitoring uh, each of those devices at all times. So if somebody attempts to gain access to a smart meter uh, and then use that access to to break into the whole grid, uh, advanced threat detection will, will alert uh, IT professionals that there's been an attempted hack instantaneously. And, they, and ultimately, IT will be able to um, combat that uh, and prevent a, a potential threat from growing. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for covering this uh, recent spatter research, guys. But uh... We've got just a little bit. Of, we got just a little bit of time. What's coming next? What can people uh, look forward to coming out of our content team? We're working on a lot of interesting research right now. Um, I've mentioned a few times this interview that I did this morning that was around artificial intelligence and IoT. But one of the other projects we're working on that'll be coming out and in the next few months, hopefully by the end of the year, since we are closing in on that, where did 2018 go? Um, 
is this research report over the power of where, this idea of locational data, what kind of role does locational data play in different areas of utilities? How are they using this data to make more informed decisions? Um, I think a lot of the times locational data is associated with mobile work crews deploying uh, crews in the field knowing where they need to go when they get there. Uh, and then the other large use case for lo locational data in today's uh, utility industry is asset management, understanding where your assets are. But the next evolution of this is kind of, it is the analytics behind this asset data um, as well as um, more improved decision-making on how to deploy field crews um, more efficiently. Those are just the two most common use cases as it stands right now. I think our research is going to show that locational data is going to play a major role in other areas of utilities, branching out from just these two primary use cases that we see right now. Um, so that's what I'm most excited about. Aaron, that's a great one. I am really excited to see that. And there are two other projects that I, will, that I want to briefly mention. One's coming out in early 2019 around digital transformation. And we're creating a, a maturity curve that utilities can use to benchmark their progress at becoming digital utilities and creating a new digital grid. I'm very excited about that one. And a report that's coming out in the, the very near future is around analytics and IoT and the continued fusion of how analytics uh, is what will power the IoT revolution into providing real-time useful information that utilities can prescriptively and predictively uh, uh, take actions with that will positively impact all types of uh, outcomes throughout the grid. It really just feels like, Chris, we're becoming data nerds across all of our research that we're doing. We're, we're researching analytics, better use for data, and I just feel myself becoming a data nerd when I'm combing through these survey results, you know, getting excited about the idea that uh, more analytics are being applied to asset data. That's like something that's exciting for me. So I think maybe I need to take a vacation or thank goodness Christmas is coming up <laughs> soon for us to all take a step back and stop maybe nerding out so hard on all of these things. But then again, it, this could be good. This could be good for Just us. Just what, uh, staring at the, at the sky or reading some poetry, something like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you should uh, just I would embrace say, it and be the biggest data nerd you can. Yeah, well, I would say that uh, you might have it. Uh, you might have it right for for me. I, I do nerd out on this. Calling yourself a nerd, I think, is unfair. You have not listened to this podcast very much, have you? We do it every week. <laughs> oh, I listen. I I am a. I am not just now a contributor to this podcast. I'm a frequent listener, Dylan. Okay, good. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to all that. I'm also looking forward to making more blog posts with puns in it until someone tells me to stop. Hey, hey, Chris. I thought that that punny podcast around Halloween the was was great. 
Hey, Chris, what do you, what do you, how do utility executives store their glasses? I don't know, Dylan. The use cases. <laughs> every, every one of you that has stuck through to the end of this podcast, uh, thank you. And, and uh, you're welcome for that piece of solid gold comedy from Dylan. All right. So uh, thanks for joining us on the research roundup. We're hoping to do more of these uh, intermittently in the future. If you're interested, you can find all of this research and more absolutely free at ETSinsights.com. Uh, Chris, thanks for being on to, to break all this research down for us. And we look forward to seeing more in the future. Thanks, Dylan. And thanks, Aaron, for coming on and analyzing the crap out of that research. Yeah, thanks, Dylan. Um, it's always fun to dive into the research that we do. We've been putting out a lot of research, so it's good to revisit it. Um, Chris and I will actually be at an event, um, Cloud for Utilities, November 15th and 16th. And we will be talking to utility professionals there, conducting a few interviews. So if anybody who listens to the podcast is going to be at Cloud for Utilities, I encourage y'all to reach out to Chris and I. We always love to talk to new people and try to gather insights. So we will we will be there and possibly recording a live podcast. Who knows? Yep, they'll be down there. I, I won't, but uh, say hi to them for me. You can find us on social media at zprime underscore research. I'm at dy lockwood. Aaron's at aaron underscore hardick, and you can find Chris at chris underscore moyer thirteen. My name is Dylan, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>